Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the only name that every knee will one day bow and confess that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. There's no other name but Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Well, we have uh, a guest who's really not a guest because once you come here and preach for us one time, you are officially our brother in Christ. And that is um, the case with our next guest speaker. His name is Pastor Ephraim by way of Minnesota. Uh, We don't hold that against him. He's never going back. (laughs) Ephraim, come up. He's the president of World Impact. And uh, if you remember... He gave us a powerful word, a powerful word. Thank you, my brother. Amen. Good morning. It is great to be back at Abundant Life and uh, to uh, just share here uh, and be invited back by my brother, your pastor, uh, Pastor Brian Loritz. Uh, I just love him. Even though there there is a little bit of a struggle I, I have with your pastor, and uh, well, I'll, I'll explain it to you, and then I think you'll feel my pain. So um, every once in a while, I'll be somewhere around the country preaching, and uh, sometimes even before I go up to preach, someone will come up to me and they'll go, "Oh my goodness, I am so glad that you are going to be our preacher today. I've followed you for years. I've heard you. Your, your messages have blessed me. They've been so powerful." I'm like, "Thank you, I, thank you." I, appreciate that. And they go, I followed you when you were in Memphis. Memphis. Oh yeah. I preached a couple times in Memphis and I just, I've seen you on YouTube. And now that you're pastoring in the Bay area, abundant life church is just so. And I go, I, I'm Ephraim Smith, not Brian Loritz. Now, you know, it, it, I mean, it's a good thing. It, it, you know, I, I probably had a number of opportunities because people just just three weeks ago. Well, no, maybe, yeah, about a month ago, I was at the alma mater of Pastor Brian Loritz at Biola and I was doing a workshop and he was preaching. And literally, I mean, I, I swear we were standing right by each other and someone came right up to me and said, that was a great message to me. You just preach. So I'm just glad to be someplace where you are not confusing me with your pastor. <laughs> Because the truth is, I'm a little cuter than he is. But we'll just keep that between you and I. You know, I know we are a week away, a week removed from the Resurrection Sunday, but Jesus is still risen this week too. And because of that, there's a great opportunity to continue to wrestle with what does the resurrection of Christ mean for us over the long haul? as God's beloved children, as those made in the image of God. There is still something significant wherever you are in your life in terms of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read to you from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Before I do that, I just want to mention, uh, as was shared a little briefly, that uh, I'm with a ministry called World Impact. 
and uh, we're an urban missions organization. And uh, we've been around for over 42 years in under-resourced communities uh, around the country. And uh, we, we serve in efforts of evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, and church planting. Uh, and um, there'll, there'll be some information, I believe, at a table out in the lobby area where you can uh, find out more about World Impact and what we do and, and who we are. And so I welcome you to do that. Uh, but um, that's what World Impact is about, about reaching the poor, the marginalized, the under-resourced, and the incarcerated, that they might know that Christ desires to transform their lives, empower them, and they can participate in the Great Commission. And then I also serve as a teaching pastor at Bayside Midtown in the Sacramento area. So uh, let us go now to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, beginning with verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, go to Galilee and there they will see me. Verse 18, later in the same chapter says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. From this text, I want to preach to you on the title, Rise Up. Rise Up. God, I pray that this would be your message, that ultimately you would be preaching, and I would just be the vessel, the vehicle that you've decided to use to say what you want to say to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers. God, I desire to be obedient to your word, so please let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Rise up. Um, I am 5'8". Well, really, I would like to believe 5'8 and three quarters, very close to 5'9". But because I am 5'8", I have learned over time that there are certain things that are just out of my natural reach. There are some heights that I just cannot achieve on my own because I'm 5'8". I mean, I just have to deal with it. I'm 5'8". I can only reach so high. I can only go so high. But praise the Lord that there have been some inventions that help me get a little higher. Like the step stool. Like step stool extraordinary. Like I can get on a step stool and all of a sudden, beyond my own natural abilities at 5'8", I can reach higher heights. I can get to things that I can't get in my own natural height through the step stool. Then I also have a larger ladder at my house. So I, I 
have a ladder that I can go even higher. So there are tools, there are things around me that though I am limited at 5'8", I can go a little higher through the step stool and I can go a little higher through the taller ladder. Uh, I've also found that there have been times when people have actually tried to help me get a little higher, go a little higher than I can go in my natural height. I used to be a high school basketball coach, coached high school basketball for about 12 years. And um, I'll never forget one year in, in 1998, I was fortunate to coach a team in Minneapolis, Minnesota at Patrick Henry High School that we went all the way to the state championship. And um, during that season, the, some of my players, they, they would laugh because they, I can't dunk the basketball because okay? I'm, I'm limited. I'm 5'8", all right? So I, I, even, I would even buy whatever the brand new Michael Jordans were at the time, put them on. I still, I could, I could do a heck of a layup, but I could not dunk the basketball. I'm 5'8". So the team, one day in practice, some of the players came up to me. They said, coach, we are going to help you dunk today. I'm like, really? They said, yeah, this is what we're going to do. They said, coach, we are going to stand under the basket. All you have to do, get the basketball, dribble at us as fast as you can, and as soon as you get to us, you jump, and we are going to grab you and push you up, and you're going to dunk the basketball. We're going to help you go higher than you've gone before on the basketball court. I said, no, nah, this don't seem like a good idea. They're like, come on, coach, trust us. You can do it. Come on, coach. You, you, you know you're too short. You can't dunk. You know, we, we've seen you try. You got close, but you can't. But we're telling you, we can help you. Coach, just grab the basketball, dribble as fast as you can, come right at us. And so I started to think, maybe I, yeah, maybe with the help of some other people, uh, I could actually dunk the basketball. So I grabbed the basketball, and I'd, I'd, I'd start dribbling towards them as fast as I could, and I jumped. I started seeing in my own imagination what I was going to do with this basketball. And so they grabbed me, and they pushed me, and, uh, well, I didn't dunk the ball. I, I hit the rim, and I fell down on the ground, and, and I realized that even with their help, I couldn't get as high as I wanted to go. You know, um, we live in a nation where going higher is the mantra. Climbing the ladder, gaining more, trying to get to the next level. You know, I, I made it here, but if I could just get there. I, I, I'm at this place where I'm blessed and I'm making this salary, but if I could make this salary. You know, I've made it to this position, but if I could get to this position. You know, my relationship is here, but if our relationship could get here, you know, we're dating, but if we could go from dating to here, wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, we're, I'm married and, and you know, I, 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 I love her, but if, it, but if, man, if our marriage could get here, I mean, I love him, but wouldn't it be nice if our marriage could get here? I mean, my kids are doing well. I mean, they're in good health. I mean, I love them, but I, man, I wish they could just, man, if they could just step it up more. Man, if they could just, oh, if they could just get here. You know, or you're, you're supervising somebody. You go, oh, man, if they could just get here. We live in this world of, of achieving more. And nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But here's the deal. What's troubling for some human beings is when they try as hard as they can in their own might to go to the next level, to go higher, and they're unsuccessful. You know what? Um, there's nothing wrong with striving. There's nothing wrong with giving it the old good try. But we're all limited. 
I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't care how successful you've been. Human beings in this broken, upside down, sinful world, we are all limited. And I wonder if we all need to come to the realization that we must really step into the resurrection of Christ Jesus because God had to come in human form to the lowest point possible. Take on sin, take on death and rise so that we could rise. Because there's some heights that you just can't go in your own power. I don't want to disappoint you, but there's just, maybe it's just me. I've just realized that I can only go so high in in my integrity. I can only go so high in love. I can only go so far in peace. I can only go so far in purpose. The risen Savior, the only begotten Son, Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, provides for us through his resurrection a higher experience for us a higher understanding, higher concepts of love and truth and peace and family and childhood and manhood and womanhood, of community, of justice, of transformation, of freedom. We can experience something higher than where we are that we can't get to in our own ability, in our own might, in our own power. If we would really step into the resurrection is not just a once a year Sunday event. It is a moving forward opportunity of empowerment and transformation for beloved children of God. Here in Matthew chapter 28. We see some opportunities for us to step into more deeply the significance of the resurrection of Christ. That as Christ has risen, we might rise. Doesn't mean our life is going to be perfect. Doesn't mean everything's going to go our way. Doesn't mean that we won't experience stresses and trials, tough times. But as Jesus rose, there is an opportunity for our lives to rise. To rise up daily in spite of troubles, in spite of injustices, in spite of divisions, in spite of dysfunctions. God has called you and I, believers, those transformed and redeemed, those seeking and thinking about stepping into the life of repentance and transformation that comes through Christ Jesus. That there is an opportunity for you and I to rise up for change and transformation in this world. Here in Matthew 28, beginning with verse 1, it says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Here's the first point. He's risen, and his victory is what we need. He's risen, and his victory is what we need. The resurrection of Christ Jesus is a victorious moment. It is a transformative moment 
his death, but yet his rise is victory over death, victory over sin, victory over oppression, victory over dysfunction, victory over a fallen world. And one day Jesus will return. And when Jesus returns, we will experience the totality, the fullness of the victory run on the cross. The victory run through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this victory is not some distant religious thing. This victory is for us. This victory can become personal. Christ's victory is your victory. Christ's win is your win. Christ coming out of death is is what covers us. It's what transforms us. It's what makes a deep access to God's love and God's grace and God's truth and God's purpose for our lives so possible. These women come to the death place, the burial place. I mean, to go to a tomb is to go to a place that solidifies death. That solidifies the end of life. I mean, without Jesus, without understanding the truths of God, what else would a tomb represent? What else would a headstone represent? What else would a coffin represent? Without the victory won through Christ Jesus, all a tomb, all a coffin, all a headstone, all a cemetery represents is the end. And all you can do is look back. And recount whether it was good or bad. But through Christ Jesus, the victory says that is not the end. So the place that is supposed to be the ending point through Christ Jesus is not the ending point. It's the point of eternity. It's the point of victory. The angel comes and says to the women, look, you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to tremble. Those men are trembling over there because they don't understand what's going on. They're, they're trembling. They're afraid because they don't get it. But you understand. He, you, you need to go and tell people his resurrection is for us. The victory one is for you. The reason why we have to continue to hold on to, to step into the resurrection of Christ Jesus is because it's a victory won and it's not just for a once a year Sunday celebration. It is an ongoing daily experience. That there's victory for your marriage, there's victory for your single life, there's victory in raising kids. You're in, you're in the process. You are in the journey. You are in the adventure if you say yes of Christ's victory. Now, uh, uh, they're, they're not my favorite team, but you know, there, there was a Super Bowl played and it looked like the New England Patriots are going to lose. Didn't I mean, they were down like by three touchdowns or something like that. I mean, it looked like it was over. Now, if they could have, uh, through God that knows all things, saw to the end of the game that the victory was already won, Maybe they would have had different thinking along the way, even when they were losing. See, today you might not feel like you're winning. Next week you might not feel victorious. Next year you might have a bump in the road where things don't feel victorious. You don't feel victorious in your body. You don't feel victorious in your single life. You don't feel victorious in your career. That's okay. The end is still victory. The eternity for the Christian, for the believer, is still victory. 
So then you can put even the trials and the stresses, the afflictions in perspective. The storms may come, but the life of the one who knows what the resurrection means for them daily, not once a year, but what it means for you day after day after day after day. He's risen and his victory is what you need for every day. It's what you need from here on out. It's a promise. Let's go to verse 7. Then go quickly, the angel says, and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers, go to Galilee and there they will see me. Here's the second point. He's risen, so come take hold of him. He's risen, so come take hold of him. One, he's risen, and his victory is exactly what we need. It's what we need in our single life, in raising kids, at our jobs, at school. His victory is what we need day after day after day. He's risen, and his victory is what we need. Second point, he's risen, so come take hold of him. Now, I want you to really see this progression in the text. The women were at the tomb. They, they witnessed that Jesus is not there, that he's risen, because, and an angel is, is telling them about it. So they have someone speaking to them, teaching them, preaching to them, proclaiming to them, Jesus is not here, do not be afraid, go do this. So, so when they leave the, the tomb, they are moving forward on what they heard. They're moving forward on what they were taught. They're moving forward based on what was proclaimed to them. But later, they actually have an intimate moment with Jesus himself. They grab hold of his feet. They worship him. He speaks to them. What I'm saying is, don't experience Jesus from a distance. Why don't you come close to him? See, his resurrection gives us access to intimacy with God and connection to his story. They went from somebody telling them about Jesus and his resurrection to having an intimate connection to the resurrection of Jesus. See, your life is not just about week to week hearing from God. You're fortunate. You have one of the best communicators of the gospel that I've ever heard in my life as your pastor. At this church, you've got somebody who's in the word, who's prayed up, who loves you, who loves God, who really, he, he strives, he, he teaches is the word of God, that's great. But your life is not just about being empowered by what you hear from your pastor. God wants to speak to you intimately. God wants to speak to you from God's word. God wants to speak to you if you make time, if you'd be silent, if you would slow down, if you would find room. God wants to speak directly. God is saying, come grab hold of me. Spend time with me. I want to speak to you. I want to empower you. I want to liberate you. I want to be your wisdom, your, your understanding. I want to be the way you discern things, the way you figure out what the next move is. I will come take hold to me, worship me, let me talk to you. See, because here's the deal. There are hurting people out there 
that their first experience with God might not be walking into a church. Their first significant experience with God may be through you. And you know what? What they need from you is an example of someone walking with God. Someone who God is dealing with significantly. Not perfect, but somebody who's walking in the promise. Someone that God is speaking to. Someone who God is messing with. Someone who God is touching. Someone who God is influencing. People don't need hearsay about God from you. They need your say about God from you. Some people just going around talking about what somebody else said about God. You should have heard what my pastor preached last week. Oh, it was good. And you know what? And then he got into, um, it was some book in the Bible. One of them, you know, it's 66. I can't keep up with all of them. I mean, what do you expect? I ain't going to no seminary. But anyway, it was good. I can't remember what he, all he was saying. I don't know all the points. And then he had some cute guest preacher that came the next week. He did good too. I mean, it was, it was good. But I mean, I mean, you know, people like saying what somebody else said. Like on, like on social media, people go on Facebook and it's not about like what God is doing through them. They put somebody else's story on Facebook. They tell somebody else's business on Twitter. They tell you what somebody said about what somebody said about the president on Twitter. What somebody said that somebody said about, you know, uh, Denzel Washington and they put it on Facebook or they put it on Twitter. And so it's all hearsay and back and forth and debating about what somebody else said about what somebody else said. What is God saying through you? What is God saying about marriage through you? What is God saying about the single life through you? What is God saying about justice through you? What is God saying about forgiveness through you? What is God saying about understanding and wisdom through you? God wants to be a teacher and a preacher and a counselor and an empowerer and a mentor through your life. Through you. He's risen. Come take hold of him. Let his story be your story. Let people see how God is changing you and rearranging you, doing something with your life. You know what I also like about this text? In verse 10, Jesus says to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Now, wait a minute. He's calling the disciples his brothers. I mean, he doesn't say it in the text, but we can assume that the women he's talking to, he would say, my sister. This, this is showing that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have such access to intimacy with God that we go from being just mere followers to being family members. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, we are followers of Christ. Yes, if you're a Christian, you're a disciple. Yes, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. But if you're a Christian, if you've been redeemed, you are not just merely a follower of Christ. You are a member of God's family. God's son, the savior, the redeemer calls you brother, calls you sister. You are family. I mean, why not take hold of that? You can say, you know what? I don't have nobody to talk to. I don't have nobody in my family. I have nobody. Yeah, you got a friend. You have one friend that will never turn their back on you, will never lie to you, will never despise you. It's an invisible friend, but it's a powerful friend all the same. It's a real friend. 
He's risen, so come take hold of him. I wish I could get off point two. Okay, I'm going to get off this point. I'm, this, it got good to me. Sorry about that. Okay, here we go. Verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when he saw him, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Point one, he's risen and his victory is what we need. Point two, he's risen, so come take hold of him. Three, he's risen, so join him in his mission for the world. God, through his son, Jesus Christ, the one who rose, invites you and I to participate, to join in in his mission. Do you know God has a mission, an agenda for the poor, for the incarcerated? Join in. God has a mission. God has an agenda for the homeless, for the sick, for the immigrant. Come join in. God has a mission. God has an agenda for the arrogant and the prideful. Won't you come join in? Do you know that God has an agenda and a strategy to deal with racism and sexism and discrimination and prejudice and hard hearts? Why not? Come on, join in. Why not join God? You, you've been trying to think, I wonder what I should get involved in. I wonder what, what, I should, what, what I should join. I wonder what board I should get on. I wonder where I should serve. Oh, God has a place for you. God has a VIP office for you and God's agenda for this broken, sinful world. God has a place for you that you could extend justice and love and peace and empowerment. You could have a word for the arrogant and the proud and the one living in sustained anger. Let God mess with you. Okay, I, I, I got I I clothes for you here uh, for this sermon. And, uh, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit down. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I grew up a Baptist preacher. So, you know, we always got to have a clothes to a sermon. Some of us have too. You know, um, when I was a kid growing up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and every winter I praise God that I live in California. But when I was growing up in Minneapolis, because it was cold outside, we had to have a number of fun activities that were indoors. One of the things that I enjoyed doing on the weekends when I was growing up as a kid is on Saturday nights, me and my friends would go roller skating. Huh, okay, maybe that's not a big deal out here, but okay. Um, <laughs> we would go roller skating and I was pretty good at it. Oh man, I, I, could, I could roller skate. Oh, I was good. I had these skates, they had green wheels and they lit up when I, when I started skating. Now, um, I don't know why, but we can, you know, I mean, I grew up in an inner city urban community. So, you know, we kind of carried ourselves a certain way. You know, we had to look cool when we were skating. But there was one thing that I would just say to you is uncool that would happen every Saturday night at the roller skating rink that everybody would do it. And it was the most cheesy, uncool thing I've ever done. 
It's a game or I don't even know if you call it a game. It's called the hokey pokey. I don't know why, but towards the end of the night, they would turn the lights up at the roller skating rink and they would have everybody would would have a would form a big circle on the skating floor. And they would turn this, it's the most cheesiest, corny song I ever, maybe it's a tie between this song and the Barney song, but between these two. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I shouldn't put Barney on blast like that, but hokey pokey. You put your right foot in, you put your right foot out, you put your right foot in, and you shake it all about. Oh, you know, you do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. Left foot. You put your left foot in. You put your left foot out. You put your left foot in and you shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. That's what it's all. Now, you know, when you're from the inner city, you know, we try to put a groove, you know. You do the hokey po- Okay, so anyway, this is such, this is, I didn't get any, but everybody did it. You know, I've come to learn that for some people, their spiritual life is like the reverse hokey pokey. They wait until their marriage is spinning out of control, and then they try to put it in with God. And they're like, hey, do something with this marriage. Here's my husband. Do something with him. Shake. Sometimes you want to take your kids and just go, oh, just here. You get in there. Don't you come out. You get, just, oh, shake them all about. And, and so it, it, we, we, we get in a storm and we want to put our finances in. Shake that a little bit. We want to put our career in. Shake that a little bit. Put our stresses in. Shake that. Why don't put, but you know what? The Christian life is not the hokey pokey. You got to go all in. You got to put it all in and stay in. You can't wait till your life's spinning. I mean, you can. I mean, if you want to come to God when your life is spinning out of control, God will take you. But you don't have to wait to spin it out of control. You don't have to put a part of your life in. You can put your whole life on the victory of the resurrection. Your whole life. You can take your whole marriage, you can take everything in your head, everything in your heart, you can take your childhood issues, you can take your past, you can take your brokenness, you can take your pain, you can take your anger, you can take your stress, you can take your your depression, you can take your arrogance, you can take your neglect, you can take your abandonment, you can take all your trophies, you can take all all your degrees, You you can take all your future financial hopes and you can put it on the foundation of God's generosity, God's love. God's victory, God's grace, God's peace, God's justice, God's truth, God's future, God's eternity. Why not go all in? But I, and I'm really, really coming to my clothes here, but I just got to tell you this. If you go all in, you got to be willing to die to self. This story It ends with resurrection, but it starts with death. If you want to go all in and day after day, not experience everything great, but a consistent journey in the victory won through Christ Jesus, 
You can't just focus on the resurrection. You got to focus on the death too. You know, I don't even like talking about death. But you know, if God asked me how I want to die, I would tell God. Wouldn't that be cool if God asked us how we want to die? Oh, wish God would. I would say, hey God, this is how I want to die. Just, I'm so glad you asked. Thank you, Jesus. I want to turn 100 years old. And on my 100th birthday, I'm going to wake up at noon. Because it's my last day. Well, I'm going to sleep in. It's my last day. And because my parents are from the South, my dad's from Louisiana, my mom's from Alabama, I want to wake up at noon on my 100th birthday, and I want to have a meal that consists of fried catfish, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, yams, cornbread, a tall glass of sweet tea. And then I want to follow that up with a bowl of warm peach cobbler with three scoops of vanilla bean ice cream melting off the side of the bowl, and then I want to fall asleep and wake up in heaven. That's how I want to die, just like that. Just like that. Turn 100 years old, wake up at noon, catfish, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, yams, cornbread, sweet tea, peach cobbler, warm, three scoops of nothing, ice cream, fall asleep, wake up, hallelujah, hosanna in the highest, where my palm branch, thank you, Jesus. I didn't even know you was going to get up here. I know how you lived. Oh, thank you, Jesus, so good to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to be in that number. That's how I want to die. The problem is God won't ask me, but God does invite me. To die with him and raise with him daily. God invites me to die to myself. To give God permission to kill things in me. Will you let God kill some stuff in you? You know, there's a singer, Roberta Flack. She used to have this song, Killing Me Softly. It's about this. I know I'm in church. Don't tell your pastor I'm telling you this. But um, I know I'm in church. But the song, Killing Me Softly, is about this woman. She's heavy hearted, stressed out, broken. She goes into a bar. And um, there's a guy on stage singing. And she, said, she was like, man, it was like he was singing to me, telling me my whole life. And it was painful. But it was healing. It was soothing. There was something about it. Maybe that's what we need God to do to us in this season. So that we can rise up and be the people that God wants us to be. We got to be willing to allow God to lovingly kill us softly with his love. Strumming my pain with his fingers, telling my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, killing me softly with his words, telling my whole life with his words, killing me softly with his song. Maybe today, you need to rise right where you are. Rise as a husband, rise as a wife, rise as a single parent, rise as a teenager, rise as an elder, rise in your career, rise as a student. No pressure, but as I close in prayer and as those from the elder team come forward, because maybe you need special prayer as you get ready to leave. But if you know that you just, as a symbol, of really taking hold of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just stand where you are. And I, I just want to pray for you. If you know you need to stand. If you just know, no, no, you don't have to tell anybody none. We're not going to ask you anything. But if you just know that, you know what? I think, I think I'm just going to stand. Because as, as Pastor Ephraim, as you're praying. I'm standing saying, God, you have permission to kill stuff in me. You have permission to live through me. 
You have permission to have your will with my marriage, with my single life, with my manhood, with my womanhood, with my teenage life, with my life in college, with my life as a professor, with my life in business. You can have me. Not playing the hokey pokey with you no more, God. I want to be all in, but I can't do it alone. I'm limited. I'm only 5'8". I can't do this without you. I need you, Lord. God, I lift up those who have stood. I pray that their lives would be a continual rising up. Each day I'll rise in spite of the affliction, in spite of the pain, in spite of the past. I'll rise because you rose. Matter of fact, God, there's some things I need to give you that you, because they can't rise up unless you take them. You pull our marriage up. You pull my parenting up. You pull me up on my job. Sometimes it's just hard to get out of bed in the morning. But God, if you grab me with your love, your grace, your truth, I can get on up. I can get up tomorrow and I can get up the next day and I can get up the next day until you call me home that I might see you as the resurrected Savior face to face. Let this be my life in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.